Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. We didn't talk about who was going to go next. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. <laughs> I'm Ginny. <laughs> and we are the Art History Babes. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Ooh. We can make that work. What's this thing called again? What is this that we're doing? <laughs> Hey, oh you know what? <laughs> we're we're rusty and that's fine because we've been stuck inside or just seeing the same like three people every day since March. So let's uh have some grace for ourselves and for our real. listeners for dealing with this intro. Woo. 2020 is um <laughs> a year of of massive grace for the self. Everyone, just everyone, everyone out there, give yourself a pat on the back. You know what? Yeah. Right now, just give yourself a pat on the back. It yeah. is a year, and I'm proud of you. Like, I'm proud of all of you. <laughs> me too. I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud I'm of proud me. Of you, you should be proud of you. <laughs> like, I'm proud of me too. Proud of you. But yeah, we're we're here and we're um we're recording and I'm really excited about this episode. I you know, love I love doing the color episodes. Everyone loves the color mm-hmm. episodes. They're mm-hmm. crowd pleasers. And if you don't shut up and don't tell us about it, we don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, just go away. What's your problem? Like you don't like colors? You don't like colors? <laughs> As you already know from the title of this episode, we're talking about the color yellow today, which is very exciting for a number of reasons. But before we do that, you know, we should just talk about what's going on, do our usual banter thing as we do. I feel like we've been doing that for the last hour. I know. (laughs) I I feel that that is like a, maybe not a a trade secret, but I feel that all podcasts do that Mm -hmm. where there's a conversational element to it where like they start and I'm like, you guys, I can tell you were shooting the shit for like, there was a conversation before. before the conversation. It's like exactly. a pre-party. You got to warm up. I you mean, do. you got to pre-game. You got to pre-game it. What a nightmare it would be if we just sat down and started recording before we even <laughs> I mean, talked I think to each the other. The perfect analogy would be going to a party without any sort of pre-gaming. <laughs> oh my god. Imagine if we all like met at parties in grad school. Like we didn't go to someone's house and drink together first. We oh. just all met at the door sober. Let me tell you right no. now, Natalie, no. I would have been um, a lot less drunk <laughs> at those parties. So that's what would have happened. That would be an interesting exercise. Like if we just did that sometime, if we just tried to For like. recording? Yeah. If we just did like a cold, cold <laughs> open, like just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. We just transform into NPR. Corey's like on the line and then we each come on one by one yes and I'm already recording (laughs) yeah (laughs) like okay now I'm gonna call Natalie (laughs) I'm just gonna surprise you guys with that one day oh my god (laughs) you're on the air with the art history podcast recording (laughs) I think that that could work out honestly and I think that it would probably be one of our most famous episodes period wow i like what you're (laughs) manifesting right now i like that just general general housekeeping things that you know have been on my mind itunes reviews i literally haven't thought about itunes reviews in a very long time (laughs) wow wow 
if y'all have a have a second and you want to write us a quick iTunes review, we really appreciate it. Those are something that just kind of you just got to kind of keep them flowing. It keeps you you know fresh on the algorithm or something. I don't know, but if you. <laughs> <laughs> like us if you're enjoying this in any capacity and you could just take a second to write an iTunes review we'd really appreciate it that's great and uh, it's awesome and we appreciate you so it's great and awesome great and yeah. awesome and yeah. yeah speaking of appreciating you we're working finally on our Patreon reboot which we were supposed to work on at the beginning of the year but then 2020 happened yeah speaking of alarming things with 2020 I don't know if you guys remember this but yeah. this is a shout out this is a shout out to my my girl sam who is actually going to be on the podcast soon to talk about circus stuff but we hung out on new year's eve this past year and our whole thing we were like going around this party just like our mantra our whole thing we were like ego death 2020 oh. and we i like i posted it on instagram and stuff i was like ego death 2020 what, did y'all do a bunch of dmt or something <laughs> I mean, what was no. <laughs> we really did it no drugs no drugs at all there's a song out called ego death uh kanye west is on it oh and, wow yeah and so this whole year, like once a month, we just like text each other and we're like, dude, ego death. Like, it's so <laughs> real. It's so real. Yeah. This year is ego death 2020 is a whole vibration. And I think most people have experienced it on some level or another. So I'm just like, I don't know what kind of magic was at play that night, but we were like dialed into something. Yeah, what was I? Oh, Patreon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh Ego God. death, Patreon, you know. Yeah. Patreon reboot is a thing that we are actively working on and hope to have out in the next month or so. We're just switching it up, changing the tiers, changing the amount of money, like the different, the amount for the different tiers, like just kind of revamping it in a in a way that is just more manageable and if you were previously paying one dollar now you will be paying us a hundred dollars a month (laughs) (laughs) i just watched the silicon valley like final season and it's like the rust bucks one dollar equals one billion rust bucks (laughs) kidding kidding of course we would never do that (laughs) (laughs) but we have had to just take a look at things and once again get real and like figure out a way where our patreon works better for us and works better for you so that's the idea and there's also going to be some fun new perks that i'm very excited about so like there you know it's it's a whole we're just redoing the whole thing if you have been a patron this whole time god damn we appreciate you thank you so much we love you you're the real it's gonna get better (laughs) y'all are the best it's gonna get better but those of you that stuck with us like fuck you guys we should do like a day one reward like a day one treat gift something Mm -hmm. i love that i love that yeah like a day (laughs) one day oneers reward that we give to them like right before we redo all of the new tiers and stuff brilliant nat i love it i love it okay so if you have been a day oneer and you stuck through this shit with us you got a gift coming your way yay <laughs> it'll be good you don't know what it is yet but it'll be good yes so anyways that's happening okay and then the big thing the big thing we're all very excited about which is also such Ooh. a weird fucking thing to talk about in 2020 but we wrote a fucking book mm. yeah 
I cannot believe that it is already time because back <laughs> when we were writing this book and it felt like it was never going to like, I just, the, the concept of it turning into a physical thing that we would one day hold, let alone sell on like the internet um, felt so abstract <laughs> and in stores, the internet and stores. And now yeah. It's yeah. happening. It's happening. You guys. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the wild. weirdest fucking time that it could possibly happen, but like it's happening yeah. and you can pre-order it right now. Some of you already have. We love you. Bless oh my you. God. The pre-orders have been amazing. I bullied oh. a lot of people into pre-ordering <laughs> our book. So yeah, and I'm still doing it. My dad posted it on his Facebook, and my oh. dad is a <laughs> prolific Facebook poster. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. I feel that there are so many of his friends <laughs> who pre-ordered the book, and I just want to say, bless you. Amazing. I love it. Seriously. Those of you who have like pre-ordered, I a lot of you have tagged us in like how excited you are for the book and shit. And I'm it's like, so, oh my God. It's so very okay. kind. You guys are so fucking kind. It's just You're helping to watch wash away all of the uh, uh bad feelings that we gained from writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> there were good feelings too. There were good feelings too, plenty. But but also it was it was tough at moments. Like the pain. Just the pain. <laughs> was a lot if you listen to our thesis episode you're not surprised <laughs> that we're being this dramatic yeah it's How true, though. i mean yeah it's i mean it's it's all of the above like it was fucking hard and it was painful and then there were also moments where it's just like wow what a beautiful thing and it's all it's all of the above and so we really appreciate those of you that are excited and that are supporting us it really, it just, it really means a lot. And it, it makes me very, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to make me emotional these days, but it makes me emotional. So yeah, thank you guys. And if you haven't checked it out yet, like check it out. We're available. Oh, it's, it's all over the place. The book's a lot of places, but we have a link on our website, arthistorybabes.com that has a bunch of links to all the different places you can pre-order it. Mm-hmm. And also, oh, I do want to mention, because we've had some people message in from a few different countries. I think one of them was Switzerland, where they're like, I can't get it from any of these websites. Oh, like, right. will I be able to get it elsewhere? Yes, you will. That was just the list given to us from our publisher for pre-orders. But once it is available for sale, which is September 1st, it will be available lots more places all over the world. It will be available in stores. So it's supposed to be coming out all over the place. Oh my God, in less than a month. I know. (laughs) Crazy. By the time we're releasing this, it's probably going to be within like two weeks. Or even out. Or less. Uh, Yeah, like it might be out. Hey, lofty goals. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. You're really... I'm trying. I know. You're really uh, uh, giving us a lot of credit there, but I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your realism. Did anyone else have anything else to say about the book? It just was such, I don't even, oh man, so many words, so many feelings. <laughs> it Seriously, was, there's so many words in that book. I think the coolest thing about it, because I've always, we've always appreciated one another and 
relied on one another and have learned so much from one another, just from like our experience of meeting in grad school and being friends and doing this podcast the past few years, but like writing this book, it was just like, and Corey, you had talked about this, like when you were looking over and we were all like doing like final read throughs and edits and all that, where it's just like reading what one another wrote there's something really profound and beautiful about that. Just being like, this book was very much like a collective labor of love. Like I, it couldn't have mm-hmm. happened without all of us being involved in it. And I just much like the so podcast. Nice. Yes, yeah, I I love that you brought that up, and it and even down to the way we edited it, it was a complete collective effort. Like we all were giving each other feedback the whole way through. And so it really was this like, yeah, this beautiful collective thing. And I'm like straight up writing a book with four authors is fucking hard. You guys (laughs) like like writing a book (laughs) is hard regardless, but like four authors and then doing it in a way where it like, works out and feels cohesive i'm yeah i'm incredibly proud of that for sure definitely or really quickly uh jen is she is stuck in limbo i was just gonna say and i'm also very proud of all of you (laughs) Uh. (laughs) likewise we lost jen on the audio and so we're just gonna stop and then uh you know put a put an ad in here because it seems about that time. <laughs> and we'll get Jen Ads. back on here and we'll talk about the color yellow. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, everyone. I'm Corey, as you know, because I am also the host of the podcast that you're listening to at the moment. And I'm Brian, which you'll remember me from the Spooky Corner series that we did. I have been tucked away under the cupboard all this time and uh we are permanently getting me out of the cupboard into a new home which is the happy harvest horror show yeah new podcast brian and i are taking our love for all things spooky full time and we started another podcast called happy harvest horror show about all things spooky culture monsters demons pumpkins ghosts everything halloween adjacent yes halloween and halloween adjacent that's our whole vibe i mean it's that time of the year it's late august so if you're looking for something new to listen to that's kind of spooky and you like this podcast that you're listening to at the moment then check out happy harvest horror show we'll have a link in the show notes for you i hope you'll join us and have a spooky fun time Okay, we got we got Jen back. It was I'm a back. Bit of, <laughs> we a bit of a debacle, <laughs> but we got her. I think that our listeners know that if there is five minutes of just total silence from me, something went wrong. <laughs> or or you're passed out on a couch. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that would fall into the category of something going wrong. I think. <laughs> 
Or it went right. Who knows? <laughs> no. One of my favorite moments, though, was the Cubism episode where you passed out on the couch and then <laughs> and then we're finishing the episode and you literally like popped up and you're like, the white cube. <laughs> <laughs> Resurrection. I, that was the yes. best. Yeah, that was my reptilian brain. It was like just drawing from the collective unconscious. And I knew that something about the white cube was relevant. You're like, I spent three hours in a fucking seminar talking about this shit. I have stuff to say. Y'all are going to hear so much about the white cube when you buy our book, The Honest Art Dictionary. At least 350 words. At least. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, say very quickly that I'm I'm just proud of all of us and, and everybody and, and we couldn't have done it without the listeners, the fans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're listening, thank you for getting us through just that whole deal of writing a book <laughs> and just knowing that, that we have lovely fans like you, listener, who are going to read our book and are, are really going to enjoy it. So, I'm I'm happy. And I'm really happy to be getting down into like a real this is like a roots episode. We used to mm-hmm. do a lot of color theory types of episodes and and so talking about a color again, I'm really excited and I am ready. I'm ready to talk about the color yellow. Let's do it. Yellow. Ooh. Mellow no. yellow. I've got my Order. yellow bodysuit on. What? I've nice. got this- my yellow sticky notes. I almost put on a yellow bodysuit, which is actually also a swimsuit, but I like wear it as a bodysuit. I body think that's I do that too. Oh, I know what one you're talking about, Cora. That's really cute. Yeah, I, I like it a lot, but I, instead I'm wearing my I'm wearing my yellow headband and then I'm wearing a necklace that has a like it's like an encased yellow flower mm. in it and then i'm also wearing these like bronze earrings i have dangly earrings but they're like the sun Dope. so wow. i feel like i'm bringing in big yellow in- energy right now <laughs> well i'm big big sun energy. i'm drinking a beer and it is yellow and I also have a I have a yellow parakeet, and his name is Lemon Man. So I love is, it. I have a Lemon Man. Will you Will you tell the story about Lemon Man and his um his gender and and Coldplay? <laughs> yes. Um, oh my gosh. Well, all of you know, y'all know that I'm I'm a bird lady, and part of being a, a bird mom is that your bird babies sometimes get sick. And so I took Lemon Man to the vet and the vet was just really, really scoffing at me and was like, well, I just want to let you know that Lemon Man is actually a girl. And I just thought, you know, first of all, don't gender my bird because this, yes. it's a bird. And I named I named the bird Lemon Man because I just thought it was a cute name. But you know what? It got me thinking about imposing gender norms onto my pets because I always referred my animals as little men or my my little mm-hmm. um you know my, my little boys or or I I'm very into um I'm, I'm very into a good boy for like a pet. <laughs> I, I'm very into a good you know. boy. And and even if the pet uh, might be female, I'm still like, oh, the boy. And so um, I, 
telling this to my my partner, my my lovely partner, and I said, you know, I just feel like this vet is a wrong because Lemon Man is a male parakeet, but also B, um, it got me thinking about how I gender my animals. And so Brian said, you know what, why don't you just call him yellow by Coldplay? And then that is gender neutral. <laughs> And you're not putting any gender onto your bird. And it's yellow by Coldplay. And everyone knows what you're talking about when you say yellow by Coldplay. So, you know. And so now Lemon Man also goes by yellow by Coldplay, which... I think this episode should just be called Yellow by Coldplay. I think so too. <laughs> I really love, I don't know who it was, but the title of our Google Doc oh, is was Yellow, <laughs> is it me you're looking for? And that's that's real good too. Like that's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Yellow also, is fun. Also I had to read it twice to get it, I, to get the right inflection. <laughs> the first time I was like, Yellow is, oh. You know what? Yellow is fun. Yellow is a fun Holler. Not for everyone, though. We'll get into it. Okay, okay, let's do it. I did want to say, though, on the gender thing, did you guys know? And it, like, made me so happy because I'm one of those people who pretty much... Because I do the boy thing, too, like, with Pancake. Pancake is male he's my everything boy he is just my sweet boy he's my baby boy he's my bun boy um (laughs) but i always do the Mm boi and did you know that that spelling colloquially is gender neutral what that makes me happy it feels gender neutral so i'm happy to hear that like when i use it it feels softer than a y Right. I mean, when I use it, I feel uh, like I'm kind of being gender neutral, but it was never like an intentional thing. And then I like looked it up and it's like, yeah, it's meant to be kind of like it can be for for non-binary folk. It can be it can be for anyone who uh, just wants to fucking use the term boy. And I love that. So B.O.I. That's the way to to do it. Lovely. That's how I spell it already. So that's how I spell it for Busta. We're doing good. Oh, go. busty boy. <laughs> busty boy. Um, we call all of our pets boy. I know. And you know what? Buster is kind of yellow. Buster so is kind of yellow. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, that yellow orange fringe is somewhere that I really like to stay. I, I fucking love a mustard yellow. Me, that's the like color of my bodysuit. Every day. That's one of my colors. I love mustard yellow. I hate mustard. Oh. oh, I love mustard. It's like my only condiment. Well, you know what, Corey? I'm not going to sit here and listen to you malign <laughs> mustard because it is my favorite condiment. Um, and so, you know, I think it'd be good, though. I think it'd be good if we gave our listeners a little bit of an overview of the color yellow. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to just have an episode where we talk about things that are... <laughs> Yellow and yellow and uh, oh my god, that also sounds great. But you're right; like we we promise information, so we'll give you information. (laughs) Okay, okay, we're doing it. First and foremost, I want to say I am very excited that we're recording this episode during Leo season. Yeah. Because, like, yellow is Leo vibes. Like, it's Leo energy. It's lion. It's, like, yellow is right now. So, sun. And it's just, like, yeah, it's such big Leo energy. And I was very excited about that. So, I feel like like this is um, cosmically blessed. (laughs) 
I think by the is. stars right now. We are in sync with the cosmos. Yeah, exactly. If you disagree, I don't even care. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, you can leave with the other people we already kicked out. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm just going to repeatedly uh, kick people out of this podcast. Also, also just a funny, I don't know if funny is the right word, but just a thing uh, that I noticed while doing my research. Apparently, at certain points in history, the yellow flag was flown as a symbol of quarantine. Oh, what? yeah. I read about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, why the fuck not, you know? <laughs> Dude, what is reality? Exactly. So I just feel like this is, you know, uh, cosmic timing all around. This is exactly what's supposed to be happening right here and now. Those are kind of some of the many, many, many. What? Hello? I don't see Jenny anymore. She's gone. Oh, but I can hear her. I don't hear her. I did. Jenny? Oh, Jesus Christ. Jenny. <laughs> no. Jenny. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why is this happening? Yeah, we need to stop. Stopping. Okay. We're back and we are actually going to talk about you. Yeah. Scouts honor. We're here now. Cross your fingers and your toes for us. Time is an illusion. It's flat. So you doing that now will still help us. Please all it will do it right us now. now in the past because, yeah, no, totally. I think it will. I think it will. Oh, it 100% will. Yellow. All right. So we gave it up for Leo season, lion energy. Um, yellow is the color of the sun. If you didn't know. <laughs> if you haven't hey, looked at it directly did you know i'm gonna talk just a little bit about general kind of symbolism and i guess quote-unquote psychology of the color yellow how it's kind of used in design and marketing which you know it's important to remember when we like do episodes like this or we talk about any color or symbol or anything there is a psychological basis for these things but also it's culturally based right like we're programmed <laughs> to think yellow is associated with certain things and there's usually reason for that but it can differ culture to culture but in general and how it is typically used in the world of like design yellow often represents feelings of joy happiness cheerfulness optimism spontaneity Sunlight, as I mentioned already. Um, uh, the literal sun. <laughs> the, liter the actual sun. Um, so it, it tends to have both like joyful connotations, but also kind of like an intensity. Like yellow is a pretty intense color, right? Much like if you're into astrology, the sign of Leo, right? Positivity, mm -hmm. but also a very intense sign. This yeah. I found super interesting. So the wavelength of the color yellow is particularly long and it is the easiest color to visibly see. And in this way, it claims a lot of attention and stimulates mental activity for people. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of more of a general thing. This isn't necessarily culturally based. It just like does. It's a very stimulating color on the human brain. As a wavelength, it is between 565 and 590 nanometers long and as a frequency it is between 510 and 530 hertz which mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna do some like uh spiritual connections here and the new age spiritual community 
528 hertz is like a really big number. <laughs> 528 hertz is like all those like fucking YouTube videos that are like, this is the healing frequency. Those oh. those things, they're often 528 hertz. And I just thought that was, I like made that connection today while I was researching. And I thought that was really interesting because 528 hertz falls in the 510 to 530 hertz mm-hmm. that yellow is. And oh. yellow is kind of like it's this joyful, happy, powerful frequency. So I just thought that was cool. That's interesting. You know, really quick, it's also the solar plexus chakra. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No. <laughs> Uh, which is just, I guess, it's supposed to be vitality and will. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Leo energy again. There vitality. You go. I love I love the word vitality. I do like the word vitality. So, yeah, I mean, that's I guess that's a new age spirituality hour for y'all. It's often used to inspire and lift spirits. So this is going back to its use and design and marketing. Right inspiration and lifting of spirits is really big, which once again, I think also really connects to Leo and inspiration and lifting of spirits. Like Leo is known as like the cheerleader of the Zodiac. We're Mm -hmm. making, we're making lots of fun connections here. It's like a web, a web of yellow. Also this I found really interesting in just, it was just like kind of a random blog post I read, but it can also on the flip side, make humans more critical. And I think this maybe has to do with intensity It can Mm -hmm. stimulate the brain to the point of critical thinking, which is both a positive thing and can be a negative. So I I like this this idea of it being used in a critical capacity because I definitely think when your mind is really like lit up, like think like light bulb, you know, you're also typically thinking very critically. You're thinking about like every possible thing. I can see how yellow can also kind of dive into that world of overthinking and thinking Mm -hmm. super critically about things because it's just a very intense energy. Marketing. So I wanted to, I thought it'd be fun to ask you guys this question. What are the first brands that you think of when you think of the color yellow? Oh. Hmm. Um, Um, I just thought about Goop for some reason. Interesting. I I don't even... Paltrow's brand? Yeah, I don't even know... If they are using yellow, I would be I would be really interested to see if that were the case. Um, Shell, bees. the gas Shell. station people, mm. Burt's Bees, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McDonald's. There oh my god, that's the one I was waiting for. McDonald's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Red and yellow, red and yellow. Red yeah, exactly. Yes. It's technically, I mean, not even technically, but it's known colloquially as the golden arches, but they're yellow. Mm-hmm. They're not golden. Yeah. They're very yellow. No, no, that shit ain't gold. <laughs> Come on. That is a a symbol that uh, resonates in contemporary culture, specifically American culture, but McDonald's is global, obviously. Um, oh so, yes. So you know, seeing the 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 yellow arches in the distance, like boom! All of a sudden, you want a fucking double cheeseburger, and you don't even know why. Like that, just like- I want a real breakfast, a McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I think another uh, solid one is uh, Best Buy. Best Buy has the yellow. Uh, yellow yeah, and blue, yeah. right. Yeah, yes. Got a really sharp contrast there. Oh, my gosh. What else do we have with yellow? 
<laughs> I mean, if we're going with combos, isn't John Deere like yellow and green? Yeah, but I feel like they're oh. mostly green. Like, it, you know. Yeah, I feel like they're heavy green, but they are yellow. Yeah, green, you're right. I did want to say in the Best Buy thing when you brought up blue and yellow, though, uh, blue and yellow is is in the design world is one of the most highly used color combinations. Yeah, I mean, look at Ikea. Oh, my God, Ikea. I didn't even think about Ikea. Also, all of the UCs, all the University of California schools Mm -hmm. colors are variations of yellow and blue. Yes, that's true, which I'm starting to make the association (laughs) yellow and blue means I'm in debt whether it's <laughs> from the UC system or Best Buy or Ikea. Um, so I'm associating those colors with um, debt. So I also hmm. think there's an interesting connection to because both blue and yellow, I think, can be very royal colors, right? Like yellow mm-hmm. is close to yeah. gold, which is a separate thing. And I think we should do like a gold episode down the line. Yeah, that was an Ooh. interesting thing in the research in itself is the delineation of yellow and gold. Yeah. And being oh, like my the, goodness. Yeah, different. I, I just finished teaching the Arts of the Americas class this summer, and I got some words to say about gold. So, yeah, I think that in the future, I would like to do an episode about not just the color gold, but like the concept of gold. Yeah, you know? we can mm-hmm. totally, totally. We can get into alchemy. It'll be great. We're going to get oh, into yeah. alchemy. We're going to get into colonialism. We're going to talk about mm. it's going to be a six hour long episode. So <laughs> yeah. keep an eye out for gold. It'll be 10 hours long if we do it over all online again. Six no, hours. No. We're going to save that one for when we get together in person because we can't, none yeah. of us are strong enough to go through this again. Um, so, um, Yellow and blue, I think, both have very strong royal connotations, which is an interesting thing to also think about their ubiquity and, like, why they're so powerful and, and such a interesting combo, like, because they really do work together so beautifully. Also, once again, going back to the sun, the sun and the sky, like, obviously, it's a, it's a natural combination that we engage with regularly. Hmm. This is a really... <laughs> fun thing I found on it was a it was a blog post that was kind of a guide to color in design work and we'll have it linked on our sources on our website it was written by a person named Ricard nice like like no like just one name one (laughs) name (laughs) yeah Ricard are you seal (laughs) sounds like like a Richard who doesn't like an H yeah anti-H Richard yeah, but it was an interesting, it was, it's very in-depth and I, I did enjoy reading it, but he also got kind of out there, which I'm into. And there's, um, for each color, he associated a shape. And I'm going to read like word for word what he said about the shape associated oh. with yellow. The color shape for yellow is a triangle or pyramid with its apex down. Yellow is sharp, angular, and crisp in quality, but more celestial than worldly. Wow. And then and then mm-hmm. this line, I love this line. It is without solid base, lofty, and reaches upward into space. Oh. Wow. That is lovely. Oh. Right? I thought it was really beautiful. I really enjoyed that. 
So that's some some of the the various interpretations of yellow, the way it can be seen as a symbol and also in terms of its color theory. A little later, I'm going to go into some contemporary stuff and talk about emojis and things yes, that are yellow in our everyday life. But we're going to save that for the end. So y'all <laughs> got to stick around to hear that. Teaser. Teaser. But yeah, who's who's next? What do we got um, next? I thought that we could really briefly just introduce how long yellow has been around. We think the oldest yellow pigment is yellow ochre, which is a, a rich earth pigment. And so this is seen in the Lascaux caves um, in, uh, what is that, southern France, mm-hmm. where an image of a horse is colored with yellow estimated to be around 17,300 years old. So it's old as hell. (laughs) And yeah, so we know that yellow has been around for a long time. And because it is this uh, yellow ochre pigment that is not like necessarily super easily accessible, but you can get it from the earth, which is if you remember our episode on, um, what was it? Purple or blue? Where yes. we talked about lapis lazuli and how hard it oh, is. Blue. It was blue. No, it, it was color theory. It was general. Oh, and we talked theory. about color theory. <sighs> So some colors are really, really hard to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Yellow is a, a, it's a much more egalitarian color. Indeed. And so that kind of segues into Nat. Yeah, I would say it is definitely a more accessible color. At the same time, not necessarily the most popular color. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about yellow in dye, in fabric, clothing, my main source was a book by Michael Pastoreau called mm. Yellow, The History okay. of a Color. Oh, I saw it's that today book. and I, was, I wanted it. I want it. You can borrow it. It's pretty cool. I mean. Great. Yeah. Just a deep dive into yellow. Um, it is admittedly very Eurocentric. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Shocker. <laughs> right. I'll give, I'll give it to him that at least he addresses it in the introduction. And basically, oh, good. Okay. Basically, <laughs> right. Oh, good. Basically, great. his stance is great. Yeah, it, so it's fine. It's all fine. But his stance is that, based on his studies and his specialty, and I think also his body, that he is only qualified to speak about Europe is his justification. But at the same time, I'm like, it's called the history of yellow. So if you're gonna, I mean, call it the yeah. history of yellow in Europe. Right. Right? Like just the, the Eurocentric history of yellow. There that we go. Been. That's that a great title. Boom. Call it what it is. But not, you know, not to like talk too much shit. Like he he did a lot of work on the color yellow. Respect. I'm just letting you all know that the stuff that I got outside of Europe <laughs> was from elsewhere. And so mm-hmm. If you're buying this book, just be aware that it is the history of yellow within Europe. <laughs> Starting in ancient Greece, as we always sometimes do, wisdom <laughs> quote. <laughs> when time began <laughs> in ancient Greece. <laughs> oh, how we have fun. 
<laughs> no, this actually, like, I will say, like, it does get pretty interesting and fun. Like, the philosophers actually had a lot of strong opinions about color as a concept. Color kind of got grouped into makeup and um, just upping one's appearance as a form of vanity and even further as a form of deception. So mm-hmm. the verb means like to cover, to cloak, to hide even. So mm-hmm. it's a very concealing idea word. So just their concept of color is different than we think of it now. I think mm-hmm. color to us is more of like a an adjective, just a descriptor, not necessarily anything that's covering something up. It's just part of something. But again, we also have like a lot deeper concept of color in the 21st century compared to previous ideas of what color even was or how it existed. The Greeks were a little salty about it, but also um, as far as dye, saffron was used in the Minoan period. We know at least because they have a mural, a very famous mural of a woman who is harvesting and collecting saffron and do you guys know what I'm talking about? The Minoan? It's in our Google mm-hmm. Doc if you I'm don't. Lo- but we it. also, we, I feel like, looked at it in every beginning or intro art history class. Oh, absolutely. I've seen this chick before. <laughs> you know her. Yeah. So the mural is from the ruins on Santorini. It's from the second millennium BCE. Basically, it's just a woman picking saffron. And at the time, they would use it for things like cooking, still used for that today, perfume, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe still used for that today, medicine, and dyeing. So saffron, if you hadn't guessed, it produces a yellow coloring, kind of a yellowish orange. And yeah, so that mural is just kind of like, it links it back to ancient Greece. It lets us know they were using it. It was also being used in ancient Rome. Romans, always fun. Uh, Supposedly, they were not very skilled dyers, like not the best. And really, I thought they were good at everything. No, man, they were good at fighting. I thought they had it all all unlocked. They just talked (laughs) a lot about the things they were really good at, and they don't talk a lot about the things Mm -hmm. they weren't good at. All their like cultural skills, they just took from other people. Mm -hmm. Art all that they basically got all of their knowledge about dying from the egyptians the phoenicians hebrews parts of asia that they were in contact with parts of the middle east that they were in contact with so they were uh yeah just learning or attempting to learn from these communities not necessarily doing a great job but i think it just wasn't really necessarily a priority the roman dyers guild was notoriously rowdy apparently they were scorned for being dirty uh for (laughs) having foul (laughs) workshops uh for being violent restless and quarrelsome and they required supervision whatever that means for an adult like a manager i don't know what requiring supervision (laughs) in a guild means but Apparently, they were a raucous bunch, and I feel like I know these guys, in a Mm -hmm. way. I've been in this frat house. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, they also, I mean, they sound a little fun. Like, I'll give it to them. 
Like the Dyers sound like they have a good time and what they are producing. So even though they were like a huge pain in the ass, clearly they're indispensable. They are a necessary service, as we would call it nowadays. Or what do we call it? Mm-hmm. Essential. Essential, essential service. service. They are an essential service. There were, at the end of the Republic, 11 different categories of dying artisans based on color, broken down by color. So they had five categories for variations of red, three for blacks and browns as one category, and then three for oranges slash yellows. So out of those orangish yellows, the two that are yellow, so two of 11, are the Lutorati. Oh, fuck, this is going to be hard to say. Lutorot, L U T E O L A R I I. Lutorati? Lutorati. That's the best I got. We're trying. <laughs> and then Crocorati. Boom. <laughs> so basically, they're just, they're made from different plants. One is weld based. So weld is a type of plant, and the other is saffron based. Most of us, I think, have heard of saffron in some capacity. In the paella. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) I want that. When it comes to clothing and who's wearing said clothing, white, red, and brown were considered to be masculine colors. And then uh, yellow is kind of reserved to be a feminine color. Mm. And now if we do numbers, that means that there are five guilds dedicated to red plus the three that are dedicated to black and brown. So that's eight. And then three dedicated to orange and yellow. So, uh, you know, misogyny strikes once again. Well, which is crazy because, you know, if you're out here, a Roman lady, and you're walking around the street, <laughs> and you don't have enough fabric to cover yourself, who's who's going to be in trouble? Is it going to be the person who didn't uh, allot the right amount of people to the Yellow Guild? No, it's going to be the chick that mm-hmm. didn't put on enough clothes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, patriarchy. Right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. It runs deep. It runs all the way back to the freaking empire. Ugh. The, the beginning Roman of time. Empire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the Roman Empire. <laughs> so these two different guilds are, they kind of represent two main plants that were used for dyeing. By no means were these the only plants, but the most common for the Roman Empire based on their location. Starting with the saffron-based dye, it's the most expensive and prestigious because, obviously, if something costs more, we value it more. Right. Welcome to our society. Mm-hmm. The color that comes out, I already said, is a little bit of a bright orange-yellow. And if you guys want to take a look, I put some pics in the Google Doc of the actual plant. I'm seeing So you can it. see all the different parts, yeah. which I... You know, this was all new information for me as far as the, uh, what's it called? The stigma, Mm -hmm. uh, which is for those of you who don't know at home, like the part of a flower that's almost like a little antenna coming out of the center. I think it's the penis. That's the best way I can describe it. It is. There we go. It's the penis. Aesthetically, it looks like an antenna. Scientifically, it's a penis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I feel like that's, that is the part of saffron that you like use in cooking and see that has that really bright color, that bright, like red orange. Wait, hold on. What did you say the stigma was? It's right here in the dock. 
It's got the little, it's the little antenna part sticking out of the flower. Yeah, but what did you call it? The penis. The penis? I think it's the female part of the flower. No way. What? Oh. That's yeah, so it's the top of the female part of the flower, which collects pollen grains. Oh, damn it. It's the patriarchy. <laughs> I, I honestly, I didn't know it was the penis part. I was just agreeing because you guys sound confident and it kind of looks like a penis. So I was like, Jen and I are both very good at saying things with confidence <laughs> when we have no right saying that with confidence. Oh, I got swept no. up in that confidence you know what? wave. It's not our fault. It's the patriarchy. It has this seat. <laughs> Penises everywhere. <laughs> Everything is back okay, on it the patriarchy. Is the, it, yeah, it's the top of the female part of the flower, which collects pollen grains. That is what the stigma is. Hmm. All right. There we go. It's a collector. So they would take the crocus, which is like the bulbous part of the plant, and dry it. So they would reduce it to flower, and then they would take the stigma, stigmata, which... Like he calls it a stigmata in the Did book. Did you guys like ever see that movie? Wound? Yes, the one with um, stigmata. Yes. Yeah. I did see it. What? No. I don't My know what this creepy is. My creepy little kid ass loved that movie so much. Like it came out That's... in the 90s. It was all about. Patricia Arquette is hot in that movie. And yes. she's just like going to raves and like getting all like horny about jesus <laughs> yeah, yes um oh man that's a good movie oh. she experiences the stigmata so she gets like the yeah inner in the palms of her hands she gets like the wounds of jesus mm-hmm. christ what? yeah mm-hmm. came out in the 90s and i was like what? yeah <laughs> yeah you know yeah Really quickly for anyone who's not following, the stigmata is a word for the wounds that were yeah in Jesus's hands from the nails and the crucifixion, and they call and those a specific movie wounds. in the nineties <laughs> and <laughs> the flower part. <laughs> so many meanings right. for this word you might have um, never heard in your whole yeah. life. <laughs> well, thank you for putting that back in my mind, Corey. Now I'm thinking about uh, that really weirdly horny movie um, that supposedly Patricia Arquette is like the second coming of Christ. I don't know. Right? Oh. You're the expert on this. I feel like Stigmata would be like a dope name for like a metal band. Does that exist? Mm-hmm. It's, I, think it, I think it exists. I think it's definitely out there. Yeah, but still, it is dope. So. It's a badass word. Stigmata. I'm looking mm-hmm. at them right now. They're uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're from Sri Lanka. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. That, that tracks. Nice, 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 nice. All right, back to yellow. Back to yellow. So uh, these stigma, stigmata, little flower, tiny pieces, female parts. They are small, and I mean, I, have you guys ever bought saffron from like a store? It yeah. comes with a very small amount yes. for what you're buying. Mm-hmm. So that just gives you an idea mm. of why this is considered such an expensive dyeing material. You need a lot of it to dye something. That makes it very expensive. And it does make this really bright, pretty yellow-orange, but it's also not stable. So not only is it hard to get a lot of it but then it also doesn't necessarily last that long just not a very practical dying source Mm -hmm. 
next up, we have the weld-based dye, which is cheaper and a lot easier to grow, especially for the region in Rome. It could grow in kind of like drier, rockier soils where saffron is a very finicky plant that needs very particular soil and a lot of attention to actually survive. So if it comes down to it, it's just a lot easier for people to use this weld-based dyeing. And you can use the entire plant, including the roots, to get dye and to have it all has tinctural properties so if you guys have ever used tinctures just the idea that like the entire plant can be boiled and used Mm, which mm -hmm, compared to mm -hmm. the tiny little saffron stigmata is a lot more bang for your buck so the the weld base produced like a really nice strong yellow that wasn't as bright or as orange as the saffron but still was a really strong kind of clean yellow Again, very popular. Broom dyeing is just the third kind of like major dyeing that they use. The f- plant was also used for brooms, so that's where the name comes. They could the fibers could also be used for making an actual broom. That stuff makes me sneeze a lot. Right? You can like feel it in your hands. It's that like strawy mm-hmm. feeling stuff. And if like wind blows by it, you just see them like out in these little puffy clouds. Yes. It's wild. Exactly. These three forms of dyeing would kind of remain like the principal materials for dyeing, yellow particularly. Throughout the Middle Ages, uh, through modernity, really until synthetic dyes came along, these were like the dyes used in Europe at least. Turmeric, which I am familiar Mm. with for cooking, was used in other parts of the world and eventually found its way to Europe. It's also a very like strong, clean yellow, has a little bit of an orangey tint. And for fun, I actually am going to be doing some turmeric tie dyeing. So I'm going to make a little YouTube video for y'all what? to see Ooh. some turmeric dyeing in action. And hopefully it'll be successful. So you can do it too. <laughs> no promises. Uh, cool. But oh, yeah, that's, that's what I look forward to. Turmeric essential oil. I don't like it's supposed to be good for inflammation, for inflammation and for like facial hair. I guess supposed to like, yeah, because I like I get I get little like lady face hairs. So I use I love your little face hairs. (laughs) (laughs) You leave those there. Don't touch. Okay, I will. I'm done. I'm not gonna pluck again. (laughs) Never. Never. No, but turmeric is great. I use a turmeric spot treatment for my breakouts, and it works better than like a lot of the really expensive stuff I've used. I've only been Mm -hmm. using it for a short while, and I really like it. So, cheers to turmeric. Yeah, I take it for my allergies. Wow, so many uses. (laughs) What a lovely yellow die nature let's take another break and then we'll come back and we're gonna talk we're gonna talk what are we gonna talk about tell me what we're- a little bit of history a little bit of uh connotations history. where those came from connotations like middle ages we're gonna talk middle ages we're gonna talk a 19th century mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna talk to y'all about some smiley faces so yeah. it'll be good please enjoy this message from our sponsors yay we have returned from that very special ad break that you just experienced. It was so special. It, <laughs> it was, was so lovely. Special. <laughs> I wonder what it was. Was it uh, <laughs> was it better help or was it a uh, master class? 
Oh. Um, Mm-hmm. It's a good one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I hope that's what it was. I hope it wasn't like dick pills or something <laughs> weird. I don't think we have too many of those. I don't know. You really never know sometimes. I, I really <laughs> it's don't true. know. Oh my goodness. Oh my okay. Goodness. Jen, what do you got for us on yellow? Okay. Well, you know, Natalie gave us this background on yellow dye and what the process was for dyeing yellows early on in antiquity and so moving past antiquity into the middle ages yellow starts to take a turn what i mean by that is that early on the color yellow yeah it was associated with femininity it was the the color for uh females to wear as far as garments go there's a little bit of mention I think early on we talked about yellow being one of the oldest pigments. It is found in ancient Egypt and ancient Rome, associations with the sun and power and renewal. In China, uh, the color yellow was a royal color associated with the emperor. So it was a, a big deal. Krishna in Hinduism uh, mm-hmm. is portrayed in yellow. So peace and knowledge but something just kind of happened along the way um and when things do as things do and um in the middle ages in europe yellow starts to gain a few of the negative connotations that we associate with yellow today so right off the top of our heads quick not to cut you off right before you start which i did but i'm sorry but great i didn't get to i didn't we well i didn't get to like finish my whole thing on yellow so i just want to throw this in because i do feel like it's important before you get into this is that the reason that i brought up yellow being important or yellow being associated with femininity as important is because it was then used to be associated with people who are effeminate so then it was turned mm. on its head and made negative, and mm. it was something that was not only associated with women, but if a man was ever put in yellow or wore yellow, it was a symbol of him being, yeah, feminine, not masculine, but in a negative way, not yeah. necessarily in a 2020, like, <laughs> live and let live, be what you are way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it was not... Historically, uh, femininity has never been looked down upon. <laughs> or, yeah, has always been looked down upon. <laughs> this is uh, actually really interesting, Nat, because it helps to answer a couple of questions because I started to do my research on, on yellow and, and the changing connotations on the idea of yellow because, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, yellow had connotations with royalty and uh, generally positive connotations. And today, I would say that you ask the average person what they think when they think about the color yellow, some of the immediate feelings are, oh, it's uh, bright, it's warm, it's uh, positive. But then you start to go into words like cowardly, or right, like yellow belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or just uh, something used to marginalize um, as far, mm-hmm. you know, you, mm-hmm. things like maybe putting a yellow star on the front of your garment because you might be a, a certain cultural group that maybe is uh, reviled 
by the powers that be. Um, and so these things, they find their roots around the end of antiquity slash uh, Middle Ages. A lot of this is seen in Europe as when we start to find these negative connotations associated with yellow. So in the Middle Ages, there were a group of people known as the Cathars. And these were people that the Roman Catholic Church heavily persecuted because they had some ideas about Christianity. They were Christian, but this is back in the, the era where you, you know, Christians and Christians would not get along because I'm more Christian than you, or you're too Christian. Mm-hmm. You need to tone it back. Your Christian is too Christian. I don't think that era has necessarily ended, but you're right. But I'm just saying that, that this was a little bit more blatant. And so the reason why the Cathars were being persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church is because the Cathars didn't like the cross. They didn't like the cross and they didn't feel that the cross should be uh, revered or worshipped or in places of worship because the cross is famously where Jesus Christ was uh, brutally crucified And so they believe that the crucifix should not only be removed from churches, but that it should be um, destroyed. And so this didn't go over well with the Catholics. And so one of the earliest inquisitions was formulated in response to Catharism. And so a crusade was ultimately declared against Catharism. And if you were a Cathar, which, by the way, these were they were a group of people in a region of France, and this is like the middle of the 12th century, a little bit of context there. So if you decided to repent because you don't want to be brutally tortured by the Catholic Church, then you would have to forever for the rest of your days, wear two yellow crosses on all of your clothing. Hmm. And one would be on your arm and the other would be on your chest. And you had to have these crosses on your clothing at all times to mark you as not only a Cathar, but a Cathar who repented and accepted the Holy Roman Catholic Church, and therefore live the rest of your days in shame uh, forever having suggested, hey guys, maybe um, having this crucifix all over the place is not the greatest way to honor Jesus, who was horribly crucified on this thing. But you know what? You know better than I do, Catholic Church, so... (laughs) Uh, we'll let it go. <laughs> um, and so this is kind of like the early days of yellow being used to distinguish outsiders. Mm-hmm. Later down the line, uh, yellow starts to be used to distinguish, you guessed it, uh, the Jews, uh, which is something that has happened historically to this group of people for centuries. In the 8th century, They were forced to wear a marker since the days of the Umayyad Caliph Umar II. Mm. 
by the 12th century, Jewish men in Baghdad had to wear two yellow badges, one on their head and another around their neck. And so this practice of marking Jews in yellow continued throughout the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. And these symbols could be various things, rings or circles or patches or what have you. Interestingly enough, so this becomes a way to demark uh, people persecuted by the church, Jews. Also, around the early Renaissance, yellow became the color used to distinguish Judas Iscariot yes. in mm-hmm. all of the paintings mm-hmm. depicting Judas in the moment of selling out Christ. So a couple famous examples are the kiss of Judas from 1304, uh, which was a fresco by Giotto, which is in Italy at the Scorvegni Chapel. So it's a pretty famous painting. You might have seen it before if you took an intro to art class. Um, And it shows Jesus Christ amongst a group of people holding clubs and torches. And in the painting, Judas and Jesus are front and center. And Judas is all up in uh, Jesus's face and he's kissing him. I'm currently zoomed in on it. And like, this kiss is, oh man, it's so good. And they make him look so ugly too. Like he has this like Neanderthalish brow and he just looks like a simpleton, but he's wrapped in this like sumptuous yellow garb. And And Jesus is looking at him like, do not fuck with me. Dude, do not ever put me in a situation is what Jesus is saying here. And um, he totally put him in a situation. It's just such a bad, like, it's so crazy. And there are many paintings like this where Judas is wearing yellow, a fresco by Fra Angelico in Florence. Ah, Fra. Oh, Good old fra. Fra. Mm. Um, uh, depicts uh, Judas wearing a yellow tunic with this sort of like uh, rose cloak over it. And then uh, my last example here of this is the Taking of Christ by Caravaggio, which is painted in the characteristic tenebrism or a very high contrast that Caravaggio is known for. But if you look closely, Judas, who again is grabbing Christ and is trying to kiss him and Christ is like, come on, dude, like get off of me. Um, (laughs) I know what you're fucking up to. Like, (laughs) stop it. Um, Judas is wearing a yellow garment. These are some early representations of yellow being used to demarcate a character who is an outsider, bad, treacherous, evil, envious, uh, duplicitous. Like So yellow starts to carry these negative connotations. And so I wanted to know why. And it's interesting, Ginny, I'm sorry, not Ginny, uh, Natalie, you mentioned that yellow was also associated with not just femininity, but to ridicule a man who is acting uh, in a feminine manner. So that is very interesting as far as like, where could this use of yellow have come from? Not only was Judas shown wearing yellow in Renaissance artwork, often Mary Magdalene is depicted in yellow because by the late 14th century, Venetian 
prostitutes were also wearing yellow. Mm. Yellow is like straight up, I think, like one of my power colors. And you just like amped it, its power up. Mm-hmm. Mary mm-hmm. Magdalene is the energy. That makes me love yellow so much more. <laughs> yeah, it almost reminds me of like when like there's that famous anti-protest, like person protesting the protesters at the churches who are doing like anti-gay whatever but it's like basically it lists all the people that they're saying are going to hell and it's like hell's gonna be lit i want to go it sounds dumb. yeah yeah, it, yeah definitely. it's like that idea of like all it feels like over time history and the patriarchy and society have tried to put all of these negative ideas onto yellow but in the end it's like it's still fucking cool yeah like you can't I think that all the things that they're trying to make sound negative are great. Right. It goes on. So, you know, Spanish Inquisition, bad. Uh, Famously bad. (laughs) um, goes Goes on for about 400 years. Bad times for a lot of people out there who were just groovy, like just groovy people who were being called heretics. And their only fault was being groovy. They were just being too groovy. <laughs> their biggest sin. Truly, though. Bless me, Father, for I have grooved. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Merch right there. That was a merch <laughs> moment. <laughs> So, <laughs> bless me, Father, for I have grown. That's oh, like God. my life motto now. Thank you for that. <laughs> what a welcome. gift. What a gift. Thank you. Well, so, the heretics were often dressed in tunics called a San Benito, which is uh, Spanish for Saint Benedict, who must have been too groovy, man, because <laughs> he got martyred to hell. And. And so much so that they named the yellow tunic that they would force the heretic to wear a San Benito. Mm. And so from then on, yellow is just carried in association with falsehood, treason, and treachery. Mm -hmm. And this goes all the way on until about the 17th century even. Yellow also was associated with jealousy as seen in the uh, work by Thomas Decker called Northward Ho, which, hello, (laughs) jealous men are either cows or coxcombs. Be you neither, you wear yellow hose without cause. This is all in Old English, so I don't know if that's actually how I'm any of that is um, (laughs) pronounced Um, and bringing it it up to the 19th, 18th, 19th century, yellow becomes associated with sensational journalism or Mm -hmm. yellow journalism, which you may have heard about in your history classes in high school, perhaps, or not. I don't know what they're teaching you kids these days. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Who knows? The phrase yellow belly is identified as a xenophobic derogatory term. And Mm. this was specifically against people who were born in the fens who have yellow bellies like their eels. And so the fens are um where the hell are the fens <laughs> where is it 
Wait a minute. They are um, a naturally marshy region in eastern England. There we go. Um, and the fens, they were drained several centuries ago. So basically, it's just a part of England that nobody likes. And they have eels. And so... I love eels. Um, I'm all about people, eels. Well, you know what? They eat eels in England. And I think it's well, fine. I don't want to I- eat them. I just like them. <laughs> all right. Oh right. Well, well they're on sushi a lot. That's true. I just think I just think eels are fucking cool. Like electric eels. Oh my god. And last, (laughs) the last thing I want to say about yellow (laughs) is that there's a color called Indian yellow, which not not my term. I would never call it that. (laughs) But there is this horrible process that I did not even know about until today. But apparently there was a pigment called Indian yellow that was made by restricting cows to a diet of mango leaves only, leaving them in a state of near starvation. And the pigment was made from their urine, um, which is just so crazy. That's. The most screwed up thing I've heard since the snail situation oh, yeah. on our purple episode. Yeah. I know. We love to abuse animals for uh, color for pigments. What? For like <laughs> a bright color. color? What is yeah, that? Yeah. So they would force feed them mango leaves. This process, um, this was um, started in the Bengalese city of Mongir. So they would collect the urine in terracotta pots and they would clarify it to a syrup over an open flame. And then you would filter, dry it, and clench it into pigment clumps called puri. And then these were sold to artists. And so artists like Turner and Van Gogh were using these pigments mm-hmm. in their paintings. So you know that like really sort of uh, noxious mm. yellow that you see in a lot of Vincent Van Gogh's paintings. These were made from horribly abused animals. And so that's yeah. just a, you know, just a terrible story that I came across. Like you said, Nat, though, it's a perfect comparison to the use of purple from snails too, though. Like mm-hmm. so much of that was just like, piles and piles of dead snails to Mm -hmm. make like the tiniest bit of purple and then like Mm -hmm. i don't know innovation is such a complicated thing like like because like part of me is like like i love i fucking love vincent van gogh's super yellow paintings those make me feel something you know what i mean yeah me too and it's like that was what he had available to him. But like, still it's like, fuck man. (laughs) Yeah. So that really acidic yellow, um, was truly acidic bovine pee and it ain't great. And I feel very sad for those poor cows. And so if you want to know a little bit more about this, there's a great article on BBC culture, the murky history of the color yellow. And you can really get into the nitty gritty on Indian yellow. So yeah, there is just a lot going on there um, as far as 
how yellow has been perceived, at least throughout some of these moments in uh, European art history, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a European. European. <laughs> Those Europeans definitely put a negative spin on yellow. Uh, what was that like? I remember there being some kind of joke, childhood joke. Oh God! About like uh, European. What was it? It was like <laughs> oh, fuck, um, I can't remember. I'm looking it up right now. Um, if you're, if you're, uh, what was it? I don't know. It's probably bad, and we probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> I um, know. Wait, right? here it is. I got it. If if you are if you are a Russian before you enter the bathroom and finish after you leave the bathroom, what are you when you are in the bathroom? Oh. <laughs> European. You're European. <laughs> Oh, I'm Jesus sorry. Christ. I'm sorry to everyone. I've never heard that. <laughs> I, I remember it was different. I remember there was like a, a variation of that as a child. Like, because I, as like an eight year old, I didn't even know what like Russian and Finnish meant, you know? Like, there was wait, a. Wait, li- wait. Here's another one. No man is an island, but when you piss, urination. Oh my god. Oh, that wasn't it either. <laughs> no, there was this one like it was just like a little kid version and it was like I don't even remember. It was something I think it was like American versus European was kind of the like joke. I don't know, something like being American outside the bathroom and like inside the bathroom, European or some shit. Girl, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. But when I was like seven, I think I probably thought it was very funny. It was uh, lit. It was, that was hilarious. <laughs> Class clown. Um, <laughs> I'm actually really glad that came up because before we did this episode, I was like, are we going to talk about pee? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that if we had not talked about pee, this would have been um, remiss. Mm. Also, though, yeah, it's yellow, again, positive connotations, negative connotations. You think about yellow, you think about pee. <laughs> not all the time, but also, in the case Also, if your of, pee is really yellow, like, you're dehydrated, You gotta babe. drink more you water. You gotta drink yeah. more water. water. Maybe lay off the B vitamins. You don't need that many of them. They uh, can hurt you. So... Take it easy. <laughs> if I take too many vitamins, though, my pee ends up being like more greenish. Like it, it's got like a greenish yellow. But if mm-hmm. I'm just dehydrated, then it's like yellow, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're healthy, if you're hydrated, it's just got the slight, slight yellow tint. And you're like, Mom, okay. This is a call to all of you <laughs> listeners. Go drink some water right now. Yeah, now is a good time to drink water. It's also probably a good time for an ad break. So... <laughs> Go get some water or European. Forgive me, Lord, for I have grooved. <laughs> We've returned again. Mm-hmm. Again. We're back again. Wow. What what an evening. What a journey we're on with the color yellow. <laughs> really gone in some interesting directions it truly has and you know uh those episodes are always two things they're always the best episodes in terms of how much fun they are and what the finished product ends up being they always end up being the best episodes they are also 
the worst to edit. So, um, <laughs> so it's just a beautiful example of the duality of things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Kind of like the color yellow. People love it. People hate it. It's, uh, it's just, right? you know, it's controversial. Yellow. We're talking about yellow. Ginny, you're going to talk 19th century yellow. Yes. Yes. What is known as the yellow 90s of the 19th century. That sounds like a pop punk band. It's fun. There should be one. Yeah. There should be one. Yeah. Um, So that, yeah, this is at the latter part of the 1800s, so the 19th century turn of the century, which is often referred to as the fin de la sacre. I don't, it's French. That it's was beautiful. Oh, merci. Um, if you'd like oh. to know more about what that means, it's in our book. But short version is... Oh, shit, we do have that in our book. I, yes, we do. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have a book? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that thing we worked on for over a year? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Remember all those emails? God damn, so many emails. <laughs> Remember when we were basically living in Google Docs? Um, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but anyways, so the Findela Sakla basically refers to it, it means the end of the century, in particular the end of the 19th century, and how Society as a whole, and it's since it's French, it's largely European in terms of like what it refers to. And there was a kind of sense of a inevitable shift, societal, cultural, kind of global shift that was happening. And, you know, people just naturally get kind of antsy and anxious and excited and a lot of emotions at once when a century is coming to a close. That's just Mm -hmm. how it is. So this time in particular, there was in the art world, in the European art world, there was this emphasis on decadence and, you know, like just having like a good time because in decadence in and of itself is a really interesting word and concept because decadence, like we think like when you think of it today, it's like, Oh, like having like a very decadent dinner where you're going to have some oysters and very nice champagne. And you're maybe you're wearing a fur coat. I don't know something (laughs) like that, but really decadence refers to like in the true sense of the word, it relates to a decline or a decay. So like decadence Mm -hmm. in looking at like the word of decay is like kind of like a decay in moral standards. So it's often also linked to like sexual transgressions, like moral transgressions and the sense that like, civilized society as we know it is on its way out. So this is kind of like the cultural ethos of the latter part of the 19th century in Europe. Everything you just said relates perfectly to the sentiment of, forgive me, Lord, for I have grooved. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes back to that. And honestly, it just keeps coming back and it just keeps cycling back. Because, like, I think currently today we're in a forgive me, Lord, for I have grooved 100%. moment. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so this is the general vibe that's happening in the 19th century in France, which, you know, has long been kind of the epitome of like tray hip shit. They had this trend of where they were printing little erotic pamphlets and books, and they would place them in between bright yellow covers. And that was the way to like visually signify like, oh, here you go. Like, here's a little sexy book for you. And this became so popular that other parts of Europe started adapting it and were also like collecting yellow books and were starting to print things with their own yellow books. And especially in England, it was looked at as like a reaction or a rejection against like the very moderate, rigid cultural norms of Victorian society, which was like, you know, very anti-sex and mm-hmm. white. Can't, can't look at uh, kitchen table legs and... no. Uh, too sexy no legs please of any kind Mm -mm. and it's interesting too because oscar wilde was arrested in 1895 and he had a yellow book on his persons oh my and like oscar wilde was already on the shit list of london society because he was a gay man and he was writing Mm. things that were considered very socially inappropriate for victorian london society Mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde is a vibe. Ooh, it's such he's he's a jam. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he everything you just said is the reason why he holds up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like a lot of people in our current era of forgive me, Lord, for I have grooved have <laughs> love for Oscar Wilde. Like, there's a there's mm-hmm. a, a connection there for sure. Definitely, he definitely was too groovy for his day. <laughs> he was. He for really real. was. He really was. So, like, while there was a part of society that was like, oh, these yellow books, like, oh, it's so scandalous. and But, of course, the counterculture of that was like, yes, we love it. We want the yellow books. Like, yellow is the color of modernity and freedom and, like, sexual liberation for as much as, you know, people back then could be sexually liberated. And particularly amongst the avant-garde literary and art circles of the time, yellow became like a really, really powerful color. And there was an avant-garde periodical or magazine launched in 1894 called The Yellow Book. And one of the original founders and original editors, designers, and illustrators for this was Aubrey Beardsley. Oh, love him. What a freaky dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean that oh, in yes. the best way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I interrupt really quick, Ginny? So Please. What was in Oscar Wilde's yellow book? I don't know if I just mm. missed it. But. No, no, no. Yes. I, yeah, no, I'll tell you. Um, oh my God. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of connect it, not kind of, it very much does connect to Aubrey Beardsley and his yellow book. So Aubrey Beardsley did illustrations for Oscar Wilde's Salome. And because of that relationship and the fact that they were both considered by Victorian society to be like these like outrageous, scandalous outlier figures when oscar wilde was arrested with a yellow book people assumed that it was the actual yellow book that aubrey beardsley was an editor of 
In fact, it was not. It was just a book with a yellow cover that was a French novel. But a angry mob and the media accused the publishing house that produced the yellow book of Aubrey Beardsley, like that it was one of his books. And so after Oscar Wilde was arrested and Oscar Wilde was really on the shit list of London society, the yellow book publishers fired Aubrey Beardsley because they were just like, hey, man, like this is too much. So that was fucked up. Mm. Basically, like a little bit more about like why yellow became this important color and kind of symbol for mainly talking about like French artists and English artists and like this kind of rebellion against these strict, rigid ideas about like what art should be. A lot of Victorian thought was that art should be very moral. Art should inform people how to act how to behave and like that was uh ruskin john ruskin was was, Mm -hmm. hey yes art is about morality and making art makes you moral and you better do it you better do it for the good of mankind like that was (laughs) better you better you better do it. Yes. But there, you know, the expression art for art's sake is actually linked to this time where you had these two distinct art movements called aestheticism and decadence. And basically what they were saying was like, no, fuck all that. Like art should be valued for the content of the art itself. Like, you know, the form, the line, the colors, the the way it makes you feel. Like it, it shouldn't be this didactic thing to make you a good person and a good Christian and, you know, a good buttoned up Victorian person. And so Aubrey Beardsley's yellow book really embodied that and was building off of that already established French tradition of like, hey, this is fun stuff. It's decadent. It's extreme. You know, it like pushes like sexual transgressions and it's just like a lot of fun and like fuck anyone who thinks that this is inappropriate basically. Mm -hmm. And so the yellow book itself featured essays, poems, fictional stories, and illustrations. And Beardsley would often sneak inappropriate details into his illustrations because the publishers would carefully read over (laughs) or look over his illustrations to make sure that nothing was like too inappropriate, but he still was able to like sneak little things in. So pretty much the yellow book it wasn't around for like a terribly long time. I believe it started in 1894 and ran, I think to 1897. And like I said, when Oscar Wilde was arrested, they fired Aubrey Beardsley and they did keep going a little bit after that. But Aubrey Beardsley in particular was like a huge proponent of this counter movement of like decadence. And it's interesting too, because I, when I was reading about this, they talked about decadence and that connection from like decadence to decay and how, when you look at like Mm -hmm. when things are decaying, whether it's paper or, you know, things yellow, or even like when you get a bruise, like bruised flesh will be kind of like Uh yellowish and how there was a connection to that where it's like, embracing that aspect of it and kind of harnessing its power Fuck yeah i feel like this whole episode is just solidifying like yellow is like a power color totally decadence and decay those are like my favorite things (laughs) yeah yeah i like i like bruises too 
I know, right? Whoa. And when it starts turning yellow, that's when it's healing. So, yeah. you know, word. like word. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. But um yeah, so the yellow yellow and the yellow 90s, it was huge. It influenced our Bibi boy Vincent van Gogh. He did several paintings that he was in France and a lot of artists of the time were very inspired by the bold, rebellious nature of the color yellow at the time, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that. It kind of, it started out with kind of an inconspicuous mm-hmm. definition and then it like gets sullied a little bit and people try and drag it through yes. the mud and then it comes back yes, to vengeance and it's like, fuck you. It's the life, death, life cycle, like growth, death, rebirth. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. Mm-hmm. Transformation. Is that all you got, Miss Jin? That's my two cents. That was real good. I, I loved it. it. I have a huge thing for the 19th century. I think in a past life, I was like a 19th century, like a Victorian. I could see that. I, I think I was like probably like a, I have like a weird romanticization of Charles Dickens novels. So it's probably like a poor kid in like <laughs> oh. Victorian England. I feel like I lived that life. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Like, yeah. Please, sir. <laughs> Can I groove? <laughs> oh, God damn it. I think maybe a runner-up title would be Yellow, the Grooviest Color. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good one, too. Fuck, we got a lot of good potential titles on this episode. Love it. It's my favorite part of recording is like, what's the title? Like, what's the title going to be? <laughs> now that we've written a book, we understand the value of thinking oh of the title God. as you go. <laughs> I... uh, it's like putting salt on a wound you know yeah (laughs) Uh, i don't want to talk about it you know we'll be honest we don't love our title but it is what it is it's a symbol of compromise it is our uh, we'll just we're gonna leave it at that our the title of our book is a symbol of compromise and that's all you need to know You know, just to lighten things up, but also fuck my life. I have a pen that I got all over my comforter just now. Like I got this brand new fancy pen and I somehow let it get under my notebook. And so it just bled all over, which, okay, silver lining being that my comforter does not have like a duvet cover. It's just like the in the innards <laughs> so it needs something <laughs> to go now you gotta get a duvet cover so i do and there i didn't go. want to and i feel like it's gonna be a battle in my relationship but i need to now because <laughs> the stain this stain is fat tell, like it is not going anywhere that, that lives with you that we say you need a duvet that man that lives with her you tell that man <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> he's like, yes, my darling. My I know he's gonna come like running in. He's like, what? Do you want the bong? <laughs> oh, I love it. Should we finish this? Show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go into some contemporary stuff while I do so. Will one of you find a listener mail for the end of this episode? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, some contemporary stuff, some stuff that is very uh, real to our everyday life involving the color yellow. 
I I was kind of on a journey earlier with, you know, yellow and design and yellow and marketing. And then it kind of hit me the idea of something that we literally all use every day for the most part, emojis. Mm-hmm. I love emojis. I um, They are a language, like 100%. Mm-hmm. And I do think we should do a whole emojis Ooh, episode. yeah in terms of looking at them as visual material and a language, because that's what they are. Obviously, um, emojis, especially, you know, when they first became a thing, and and now a lot of the expressions, the main panel of your emojis are yellow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting thing for a whole slew of reasons. If you kind of research a little bit, the people in charge of emojis and how emojis came to be kind of think of it as this like neutral thing, like using yellow Mm -hmm. for emojis Mm -hmm. and thinking of it as like Lego people or like the Simpsons. Once you really think about it, there are a lot of uses of yellow as this like weird default skin tone. Dude, my childhood drawings, like we can, we can go there. Like if, if you think about it, if you didn't have a tan or a brown or something that would resemble like a skin tone, yellow. 100%. But there is this consistent use of yellow as the default skin tone. That's, I think the intention is it's supposed to be a a Mm catch-all. Where that gets really problematic, though, is that, yes, it is, that's might be the intention, but... Ultimately, the way it actually reads in our subconscious and reads in our mind is a lot of times yellow represents white people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Simpsons is a perfect example. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think yeah. about Not that. Not everyone in the Simpsons is yellow, right? But the people True. who are yellow, oh, you think of them as white. Shit. Indeed. I'm not a Simpsons watcher, so this is kind of blowing my mind. It's a subconscious thing. It's not like it's a we sit there and go like, oh, these are white people. Like, but yeah, that, that is what's being like, that's what you're reading. And that's what's happening. I had a conversation with someone the other day about the word cis. And like, they very innocently were asking like, what the why we need the word like cisgender. And we explain like, because if you don't say cisgender is you were born the gender that you are now, the default that people would say would be normal and that's not okay because then it puts everything else in opposition to that as not normal Mm -hmm. and like that's not fucking okay. So, you know, that's why we expand language and do things like this. So, yeah, it is important to talk about The Simpsons in that way. Like, I mean, I don't want to get like dramatic, but like that's kind of a form of white supremacy that The Simpsons is building into its entire show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's 100% a form of white supremacy. And that's the issue because there I are know people of color in Simpsons. There are people with brown skin tones. Like there right. are and there's some pretty racist characters totally. in the show too. <laughs> 100%. But the default is yellow. And ultimately, our, we read consciously yeah. or mm-hmm. subconsciously, we read those yellow characters as white people. So then if you expand that, if you expand that to Lego people, if you expand that to emotional, it's like what is the default saying what is the default color saying about what these figures Mm -hmm. represent we have in the emoji lexicon 
a, a good chunk of the people emojis have multiple skin tones, which is is progress, which is good. But there is also this weird thing where like, um, and I get it, like I read, I was reading people's trying to figure out, should I be using the white emojis or should I just stick with the yellow ones? And some of the concerns that I saw were interesting. Like some people were like, I'm afraid to use the light skin toned emoji because I feel like it is a statement of my privilege as like a light skinned person. Another fair thing is just not there. Sometimes there just aren't emojis where the skin tone and the hair color match what you look like. And Mm -hmm. so there's like huge groups, like many, many groups of people who aren't represented, including like, do they even have one with people with red hair? That's just like, that's a natural born hair color. Like that is something that people are fucking born with. (laughs) And it's just discluded. To to call to call the skin tone thing inclusive is like the biggest stretch that you could possibly make. It's like it's like a twenty four pack of crayons. Totally agree. Like yeah, there's like five options, and so that is a whole issue. It's mm-hmm. a step in trying to include different shades of skin tone, so people can feel that they are being represented yeah. by the emojis that they use. So like you know, I do think it's a step in the right direction, but yeah. also still like the faces are still all yellow. You know like the smileys and stuff are still all yellow. And this is an interesting thing because there's also just trying to think of the history of the emoji and how it came to be. And what a lot of people point to as the history of the emoji, which I I actually like, I totally agree because my, it's exactly where my mind went as well. And then I did research and I was like, okay, other people are like, yeah, this is how this came to be. Before emojis, long before emojis, there was the yellow smiley face emblem. The classic yellow smiley face. Famously invented by Forrest Gump. um, (laughs) As per the historically accurate... 1994 film Forrest Gump. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I almost, I like wanted to bring it up, but I didn't. And like, I'm, I'm just really glad that you did. (laughs) In trying to chart how emojis came to be, I do honestly believe that emojis came from that image. I think that yellow smiley face is so ubiquitous and that's where the yellow smiley face and then that grew into yellow faces representing all of these different emotions. So I went into the history of the yellow smiley icon. Yes, obviously we all know it was invented by Forrest Gump, but (laughs) (laughs) but it was actually created in 1963 in oh, Worcestershire or Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Oh, not this. Worcestershire. Not this. Worcestershire, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> by, uh, by a man named Harvey Ball. And I really want y'all to look at our Google Doc because there's a there great go. picture of him. Yes. I'm yes. Looking the guy who looks so right Yeah. That's oh, him. Homie oh, looks so stoked. Oh, <laughs> the father of the smiley face. Uh, so he's an older man and he was commissioned to create this image by State Mutual Life Assurance Company. Oh, man. What a name. As a morale booster for employees. 
Yeah, he looks really stoked. The morale booster. Oh my god. He was paid a whole $45 no. for this design. Yep, yep. And a direct quote from Sir Harvey Ball himself. I made a circle with a smile for a mouth on yellow paper because it was sunshiny and bright. Oh. So... As we all know, this image fucking took off to the extent that I was reading a post. They brought up examples of the classic smiley face image on other colors. Like they did a red one and they did a blue one. And it made me deeply uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like looking at the classic smiley image on like red. Oh, my God. That makes me so uncomfortable. Like it just mm. it doesn't work. Yeah. It's not. This is a prime example of just like a symbol becoming a symbol, you know, like it it really there wasn't that much intention that went into it, Mm -hmm. but it took on this life of this symbol and it became a cultural icon for years and years to come to the extent that this image, I mean, we're all super familiar with it, but it also has been subverted all over the place, culturally and in fine art. Oh, there's so many great examples. Oh, first I want to, there's this quote about actually the subversion of this image by a man named John Savage. And he says, the smiley was presented as such a fixed facade of childlike contentment that it was ripe for subversion. Mm, Nice. And if you start to look into culture of the 80s and 90s, we start to see things like the infamous use of this face being subverted into the Nirvana symbol, right? With the X's as the eyes. Yep. Also, it was huge, huge in 90s rave culture. Oh, yeah. And this symbol, it was often printed on ecstasy pills. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. and it was- I mean, from all my 90s raving days. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, being a fucking weird kid in the 90s, my bedroom, I had like lava lamps and black lights and glow in the dark, mm-hmm. like fucking glow in the dark stars and shit. I had blow up furniture and I would like dance to 90s rave music by myself as like a nine year old. I just remember just being like, oh, God, I can't wait to party. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I, I feel like that right now. Like, I cannot wait to party. You know, right? I remember being a kid and being like really jealous of like '90s <laughs> raver culture. Like, I really do. Um, what a time! What a time! Um, I'm saying. So the smiley face subverting the su- smiley face. A huge image in uh, the '80s, like punk culture and the '90s raver culture, and and it's still being used contemporarily. Justin Bieber's fashion line is the smiley face his fashion line drew house. oh is that what that is i saw that in the google doc and i was like what is this thing of the youth <laughs> it's justin bieber's fashion line oh, i didn't realize that was his I didn't know he had one yep uh drew house is the name of it but he uses the smiley face image and then the mouth it says drew house and this was i think this image i have on here is from 2019 very contemporary Mm -hmm. so this very basic ass image of just a yellow smiling circle (laughs) 
has led to so many things as a lot of people bring up it probably influenced emojis i agree i agree with you it's interesting it's interesting to to think what a simple image that really wasn't meant to express much ended up expressing so much Mm -hmm. you know over time yeah i i think hallmark cop yeah hallmark copyrighted the design in 1970 so i don't know if they still own the copyright but it's just been used all over the place and also smiley face ephemera is like a huge thing the dj fat boy slim remember fat boy slim yes Boy Slim collects smiley ephemera. Wow. And uh, there's a really great picture of him standing in front of all his yellow smiley face ephemera. <laughs> and so, like, it's it's a whole thing. And, yeah, and I think it led to the emoji. That doesn't uh, change the fact that, you know, we're at a place where we need to start analyzing what it means to have, like, yellow skin tones as the default. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's still, mm-hmm. like okay, we need to think about this and see what we can do moving forward. That's how symbols work. Like that's the beauty of symbols is sometimes they take on a meaning that you don't intend and then you have to deal with that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just something to think about like when you're, you know, using your daily emojis and when you're trying to choose like the right skin tone out of the five choices. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that's good about emojis is they redesign them like every five months. So like Mm -hmm. they're ever evolving. I'm sure we'll continue to see changes. I love it. I think it's amazing. I really hope that that man got paid more than $45 for (laughs) coming up with that. (laughs) I really, really hope he did because he didn't look thrilled and I just hope that he's, well, you know, I hope that. You think that was when he found out he, how much he made? They, they, they told him how much he made and then they took that picture. Just like $45. What was his name again, Corey? His name was Harvey Ball. They were like, hey, Harvey. Do you realize that you invented emoji culture, but we only paid you $45 and he went, huh? And, and he looked at him and he goes, what's an emoji? And then they took the picture. <laughs> exactly. Oh, love you, Harvey. Love you. <laughs> Man, what a journey. Yellow. I know. And there's so much more. Oh, I also, I made a connection in my own brain where I was like thinking about yellow smiley faces. And I was like, Takashi Murakami. Mm. Yes. I mean, I guess a lot of times his smiley faces are other colors too, but I have a image of one of his works that I really like the title of 2010 and it's if I could reach that field of flowers I would die happy I love that I love when a title is like a sentence yes Mm -hmm. I really like it represents a lot of yellow smiley faces that are flowers and I feel like I feel like it also oddly wraps up a lot of what we talked about, about the color yellow. (laughs) Yes. I'm sure there are infinite examples of not only yellow in art, but using yellow smiley faces in art. Right. But for this episode, wrapping it up on the sentiment, if I could reach that field of flowers, I would die happy. Oh, It's beautiful. That's so nice. So beauty. I like it. I'm happy. I'm happy too. I wish I could play the piano and I'd start playing Yellow by Coldplay right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants me to sing that song right now because uh, it will be deafening. 
and it will be out of tune. I'm going to try and find a non like copyright version it's like of that a, song. Like a MIDI file. It's like, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> uh, listener mail. Who found a listener mail? Did no one find it? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I, I started options. to and then I forgot. Hold on. Hold on. I have, I have two. Okay. Okay. okay go Thank God, it, Natalie. Thank God. <laughs> Listener mail comes to us from Shama, and the subject is intersections of music and art. She says, First off, I want to thank you wonderful ladies for helping me through the loneliest of a very traumatic breakup. I'm working through your podcast on my daily commute, and you take my mind off of the breakup while always teaching me something new. I feel like I'm with friends every time I listen to you. So sweet. You don't need that person. Yeah, you're you're yeah. strong. You don't. and we you're got your off. back. And you know I what? We know them, girl. And you don't need them. We know so much about breakups, and you are going to look back on this time and laugh that you ever <laughs> twisted up your face over that fool, whoever that fool is. The end. Mm-hmm. Yep. So good. Good All luck. Right, back to her message. Uh, oh you weren't finished with the email i was not (laughs) we like already destroyed her ex uh secondly i'm a luthier someone who builds and repairs stringed instruments so she's a luthier and an amateur artist i would love to hear an episode on the intersections of art and music throughout the world traditionally and in contemporary forms i don't often see these uh, see these two art forms discussed together, but the, tra- the traditional role of musicians and artists as documentarians is a topic that could help people understand the importance of the arts and linking them to bridge the gap between performance and visual arts. Just a thought. Thanks again for the amazing podcast and for always lifting my spirits. Aww. Mm, that's very yeah. sweet. In the meantime, I feel like our synesthesia episode kind of like oh yeah, we talk about music yeah, scratches yeah. the surface. It's not it's not mm-hmm. what she's asking for specifically, but it's in that vein. Also, connection to music. I on our Spotify, I make playlists yeah. that are inspired by artists and artworks. So that's kind of a fun way to connect art history. Definitely and music. an intersection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely like to explore more into the history of music. And yeah, I'm totally down. I mean, like, do you want to come on the podcast? Like, I feel like, you, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you'd, you'd be more informed than we would. So like, if you want to come on and talk to us, like you are incredibly welcome. Yeah, always. And maybe that's another thing we should put out there. I feel like we don't really talk about this, but I like want to make it clear that when we have guests on the podcast, it's either our friends, either like our close personal friends, mm-hmm. or it's people that emailed us and we're like, I want to be on the podcast. And we're like, fuck yeah, come on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's literally how it goes down. So like, if you want to be on the podcast, email us. Yeah, if you <laughs> think that you could work and have a good conversation with us and be interesting chances are you could 
<laughs> you better be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like we love getting together, the four of us, and like talking about these topics, but also in a bigger sense, what we want the art history babes to be as a platform is just like a space for people to feel like they can come and talk about these things and talk okay. about what they're passionate about. And so, like, if you have knowledge on a specific thing and you want to talk to us about it, yeah. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen is we say not right now. Like that's the worst. So yeah. it's, worth a, it's worth a shot. If we say not right now, it literally is just a not right now because we're yeah. like overwhelmed. Hit us up later. Yeah. We'll never be upset. So it's worth it's worth just trying. Just reach out. Yeah. Please feel free to hit us up if you have like a good idea on like a collab or you want to come on and talk. We would love to talk to more people with more expertise. You know, we can only fit so much in our brains. So right. we like to highlight other people who have interesting things in their brains. Indeed. But thank you so much for messaging us. And I hope I hope you're doing well. I hope you've you've gotten over the hump with the breakup. But if you haven't, that's okay too. Just like you got it. And we've all been there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The sun will come out tomorrow. It's late. It's not late, but I've been awake a long time. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that was yellow. Thank that you was yellow. for yellow going has on come this journey down. with us. <laughs> and what a journey. And don't forget, <laughs> forgive me, Lord, for I have grooved. <laughs> forgive me, Father, for I have Father. Grooved. I have grooved. Yeah. yeah. Forgive me, it's, Father, inter- it's interchangeable. Grooved. It's the same fucking it's tag. True. It's true. Lord. Once it's on merch, it'll be official. Nice. Yeah. Language. Uh, it's happening, though. <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I'm going to order like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all for going on this journey with us. We love you. We appreciate you. You know, I hope you all are doing well out there. Obviously, like we haven't been posting a lot because it's 2020 and shit's hard. And that is what it is. We're surviving. We hope you're surviving. And and we're going to make it through this, guys. <laughs> we're doing we it. Gotta. I'm proud we of gotta. all of you. Yeah. And I am really looking forward to just the whirlwind of emotion that it's going to be once our book comes out. And mm. um, so I can't wait. So look forward to that, people. It'll be awesome. <laughs> all right. We love you. Bye. We, yeah, we, we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, friends.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.